sociopolitical issues. One man searches for intelligent conversation. From Dedham, Massachusetts, the birthplace of modern democracy, this is You Don't Have to Yell with your host, Dan Sally. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Really glad all you sickos could come out to join me in the final installment of our exploration of the U.S. military here on You Don't Have to Yell. Uh, This whole month we've been asking the question, is the substantial investment the U.S. makes in its military worth it? And where, if anywhere, can it be improved? Now for our final week, I invited the data monkey to bring his bucket of numbers over and talk a little bit about how the U.S. stacks up to the rest of the world in terms of military spending. And here's an interesting factoid. We are almost as good at military spending here in America uh, as we are at buying health care. I'll let you all make whatever inferences you want from that. Details to follow in my conversation with the data monkey. I will be back at the end with some final thoughts. All right, Mike. So far this month, I have spoken with active duty military. I have spoken with an economist. I have spoken with a PhD in military policy. And I'm very interested to hear what you've found on the subject of our U.S. military and 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 what kind of story it tells. So, I could see why you'd be excited because I am none of those things. <laughs> Honestly, man, if if I never look at another spreadsheet again, uh, it'll be too soon. That's why you have me. Yes, exactly, exactly. So I don't really have to do that. So, so you, my my buffer between buffer, me and the. It. The human shield between you and the numbers. That's exactly it. You're you're laying down on the numerical barbed wire so I can walk over you. So what'd you find out, man? All right. So uh, I know you had some uh, great conversations with some people who know a lot more about this um, these topics. Um, so here's what I guess I thought we would look at. You're, you posed the question, is the U.S. military worth the cost? Mm-hmm. So I guess the first question for me was, uh, how much does it cost us? So I, I wanted to really sort of understand just in the context of all this, like where, where, where you know, just how much do we spend and yeah. how much and what, and how does that look relative to history, relative to, to other countries? Yeah. Um, right. We just want to level set this so we know how, how this looks relative to other things. So we are not the biggest military budget as a percentage of GDP. Okay. Okay. So uh, we, we are below, Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. who spends about 9% of their uh, total economy on military budget, and Israel, which spends about 4.3% or so. Okay. 4%. Russia spends about 4% of its GDP. Uh, we come in fourth at around uh, 3%. Okay. Yeah. Um, that sounds like, you know, maybe that sounds like a small number. Um, the difference is the U.S. GDP is you know, very close to the biggest in the world. Uh, if not, well, it is the biggest in the world, probably potentially to be suppressed by China at some point. Yeah. But for now, we are the biggest in the world. Okay. So from that perspective, I guess the other way to cut this data was to then look at it as, you know, how much do we spend per person on this? Um, 
And that's where I thought it was sort of interesting because one, Israel seems to spend close to the most, or I guess Saudi Arabia and Israel specifically are up at the top of percentage of GDP. They're also at the top of of, uh, per capita numbers. Yeah. So if, you know, in Israel, you're spending about over $2,000 per person is going to, uh, to military spending. And, you know, I guess that sort of makes sense to me because, you know, it is a, it is a, I guess, quote, dangerous part of the world, or at least they feel threatened by neighbors on most sides. And so there is an amount of, you would expect to see elevated spending, I would think. Yeah. The, the analogy I always use for Israel is imagine if you were Rhode, if you were like Rhode Island and the rest of the country just hated you. That's kind of what Israel's like. So I'm not at all shocked that they're spending a little more. Saudi Arabia is kind of a surprise though. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's interesting because that would seem, I looked at a couple of papers that were sort of talking about um, spending and, and trying to create like equations for the tracking, like how much a company a country would spend on, on military. And it yeah. sort of seemed to be partly a function of, you know, I mean, it's, I don't think they were all that counterintuitive. It was just basically like how, how threatened do you feel and sort of how, I can sum it up sort of as how prosperous are you, how pro-military are you, and how threatened do you feel, right? Yeah, okay, like, okay. And if, like, and if you put those things together, like, it kind of leads to what you end up spending. And so I think it's interesting to just put this in the context, again, of, of the U.S., right? So if I look at Israel spends 2000 call it $2,080 per person. This is all kind of level set in 2015 U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side of that is, like, you know, Japan, which I think you know, the average somewhat informed person would be like, does Japan even have a military? I thought they weren't even allowed or something, right? Like, um, you know, I mean, they do, it's just not that it's, it's relatively small. Right. And they spend about $320 per, per person. Um, Whoa. So that's still, still money. And interestingly, I think that's where Germany is an interesting case because that's like, they're, they're spending as a percentage of GDP, percentage of budget, everything has actually come down over time. And they're spending about $480, $490 per person. Like that's like, I could write a check for that. Yeah. So here's, here's where it gets interesting. Um, you, Dan, uh-huh. I'd like to thank you for your $1,800 contribution to the U.S. military each year. You, you are so welcome. Uh, that's so we're, we're, oh, I mean, we're spitting distance from spending, uh, what Israel spends, um, despite being bordered by two oceans and, uh, Canada and Mexico. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, clearly, you know, we'll have to ask the question, you know, so what are we buying with that? And then maybe we can talk about that as a discussion, but I think it's, it's just interesting to see how, and then I think on the flip side of that, I just gave you Japan at 320. Again, this is a function of a large denominator, but yeah. how much would you guess China would spend per person? Oh, well, so you're dividing by 1.2 billion. So oh. right there, hold on just a second, because I looked at these numbers a bit. Um, we're, pending, we're paying 1,800, is that yeah. right? Okay, 1,800 a person. Um, $150. You are 
Absolutely correct. Close without going over. Uh, oh, no, you're correct. 153 is the number. So yeah. Really? You, you so, it, yeah. so price is right rules. I just rocked you, that thing. You did. You got it. You okay. nailed it. You nailed it. Your choice of prizes, Dan. You can have the washing machine or the uh, the lawnmower. <laughs> All right. Um, you have like one of those like soda makers, you know? The, exactly. <laughs> the soda stream. Yeah, soda stream. That's it. That's what I want. Doing your part to save the planet. One that's it. One man. fizzy beverage at a time. All right. That's it. Uh, so yeah, so China spends basically a Amazon Prime plus a annual Netflix fee. On wow. A, and we spend a mortgage on a you know median house. Yeah, and so two things I want to highlight here. You know, one is is the neighborhood China's in. Um, they have no meaningful rival but it's 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 not exactly as stable as i would say the u.s borders is for example the second is this whole concept that that i find really interesting which is basically like the perception of being threatened plus available funds equals military spending and so if we go down the list here, we have Saudi Arabia, which has obviously funds. They have money. Uh, they rightfully have a perception of being threatened. They've got Iran right over the border who they don't really get along with. They've got a very unstable northern border. All that stuff makes sense. Then we've got Israel. Obviously makes sense. Uh, and then we've got us, this little island with Canada to the north. So so it just, it, it see and again, like I'm not going to ask you to editorialize on this, but there just seems to be like a very inflated perception of threat over here. There is that. And so I, it's interesting, but I think we have to, that, you know, this again, I, t- I told you what, before when you introduced this topic to me, I kind of yeah. knew there was part of this. This could go in so many directions, so we could yeah. editorialize on it. So we'll, uh, we can maybe save that a little bit of that. We can we can we can kick. All right, I'll hit the, the snooze end. button on that but the, idea. Then, but so interesting. So eighteen hundred dollars per person, and so then the other question was to be: How does that look as a portion of your budget? Also, how does that look versus well, we compared it to other countries, and yeah. just just to put a final point on that, it, compare it to what we the world average. So it's $223 per person, the world average. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, that's been relatively, <clears throat> I'd call it stable. It's bounced between 150 and 250. If I eyeball the data over time, it's basically kind of been somewhere in the sort of 200, um, you know, with a, with a band around it of 150, mm-hmm. maybe 250 from 1950 to today. And it's about, on average, it's about 6% of government expenditure goes to military around the world. Okay. So ours, you know, that's probably, I think we're at 9% of the budget. And that compares to Israel at 11% of their government, of their budget. Okay. Um, which, you know, you can see how then that makes sense. We're at 1,800 and Israel's at 2,000. Um, yeah. And, you know, you can see the, uh, and China spends about five out of five to 6% of their total. So in line roughly with the, with the world average. Yeah. So you're, so you're saying world, world average, 250 bucks per capita. And 6% of, and 6% of your government expenditure. 6% of government expenditures. Okay. So, so like healthcare, we spend a lot more on 
military per capita than your average industrialized nation. Is that right? Uh, correct. All right. All right. And so, um, you know, what, and that gets you an army with the standing military personnel of about one and a half million, again, compared to then China actually is probably about two, 2.3 million. So there's a personnel personnel, but that's the, yeah, the, the, the flip side of it, I think is that like, you know, we've got all the toys. So like we can read your license plate from outer space and then have some dude in Orlando with a joystick fly some drone, you know, like to like over your house. I mean, it's like no, that's right. I, and I just came from a conference actually a couple of weeks ago where I even saw a demo of some stuff that is you know autonomous robots. So we're going we're going full uh, Ed Ed. What was the what was the thing in RoboCop? The uh, the oh. Ed uh, Ed two hundred nine or whatever it was. I'm gonna look it up. Hold on. Ed two hundred nine. That's it. Yeah. Yep. All right. See, so that's that that piece of information is crowding out something useful in my head. But um, that's all right. <laughs> that's that's very useful. So, okay. So they've got like full on like we don't even have to have that guy in Orlando with the joystick. This thing is just going to go in and just just <laughs> I mean, wreck shit. I mean, and, there's some questions about that, right? So I don't know if we'll how quickly that. I think people will be very uncomfortable with the concept of uh, fully autonomous lethal robots. But I would um, say, yeah. <laughs> so, so I suspect they'll be tethered to some degree to uh, to a human operator for yeah. for as far for a while. But so anyway, so that's um, you know. So then, as, the other question was, I think. Oh, how has it looked over time? And there may be two other things I'd, I'd want to focus on. Yeah. One, you know, we spend about, as I said, about 3% of our total economy on the military. And we have the biggest economy in the world. I thought, interestingly, you can use this sort of historical factoid to sort of compare that, that the Roman empire, I found one, one academic study that tried to estimate this for the Roman empire and mm-hmm. came up with about, the same number, interestingly, about three percent really? of their three percent of the sort of economic output of um, went toward uh, military expenditure. Now, it was eighty percent of their estimated sort of government expenditure, but yes. that's because there wasn't, you know, a government. There, well, I mean, there, yeah. there was a government, but there was not like massive government services or anything outside of the military. Oh yeah, right? yeah. yeah, like there was no Roman welfare state. Um, right. And they weren't even really borrowing money from like another empire or any. Like, yes. Uh, so, so there's no. Uh, so you, you could sort of see how that would make sense that it would take up the majority of the budget in, the, in an agrarian economy for the most part. There were really yep. only sort of farmers and, and warriors. So, um, well, here's here's an interesting little factoid. So, a lot of times when people talk about the decline of the Roman Empire they talk in, in moralistic terms. So they say effectively, well, the Romans were too preoccupied with orgies and eating too much or eating till they puked. And that's why they declined. And that's like, I I do think maybe that's a symptom of a society that took its eye off the ball. Let's say, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the thing, the thing that influenced the decline greatly that's often overlooked is the fact that like their entire economy was funded by plunder. Once the Roman Empire stopped expanding, 
their entire source of funding that military machine disappeared and their only hold on power was military. Uh, so once that funding source disappeared, effectively their power went with it. And I think the, the interesting parallel I see here is that if you look at American power and to an extent American economic power, a lot of that is based by our ability to project force globally. And that's not, funded by taxes it's right now it's funded by debt yeah so that's uh, interesting that's a that's a great yeah. point because there's two things i'd say on, on the back of that one is i'd yeah. point any of the listeners to check out some of the work by a guy named charles hall who's written a bunch of stuff on called energy return on energy invested uh-huh. um and you know i spent a lot of time reading some of this i've actually met uh met charlie hall um and talked to him quite a bit and he's um it's a real, it's a real interesting concept to think about in terms of just as an organizing principle of how um, systems work. And, Mm -hmm. and that's, you're kind of touching on that, which is that the Roman empire sort of expanded to the point of declining energy returns on energy invested and then collapsed itself. Um, And that's his, that's not my theory. That's sort of, he's laid that out and talked about that. And you can, and certainly uh, Vaclav Smil and others have talked about some of this type of stuff. So anyone who's interested in these topics should go definitely read some of their work. Um, it'll give you a different view of some of how, how, how these types of systems uh, actually function in a scientific sort of thermodynamic way. Yeah. But anyway, coming back to this, I thought it was interesting because you talked about using debt spending. And I thought that that's a great way to sort of talk about where current, maybe two topics to wrap up on. Would, yeah. One would be to sort of, with the trend in spend and then one, the U S spending, uh, as a function of debt. So mm-hmm. let's talk about the trend in spend military spend as a percentage of GDP globally and the U S and almost everywhere has actually come down over the last 50 years. So, okay. uh, so we've gotten generally the world's gotten more prosperous and we have not at least not increased the spending at a same as or faster rate. Um, mm-hmm. For that, we actually have also seen maybe you could say, I don't want to confuse uh, correlation and causation um, or reverse the causation here. But like, interestingly, in that same period, you know, globally, the number of annual sort of deaths by war battle has also declined. And those numbers track pretty closely. Um, if you looked at mm-hmm. if sort of the, you know, in 1960 to 1965, the world was spending close to five and a half, six percent of GDP on military and deaths by a uh, number of annual war battle deaths were close to somewhere in the 300, 350,000. And, you know, similarly, then in the 80 from 1980 to 1985, it was sort of around, you know, three and a half, four percent of GDP. And and we had sort of closer to that 200 to 250,000. And then by 2000, we've fallen to sort of 2% or two and a half percent or less of global GDP. And those numbers have now come down to, you know, 100 to 150,000. And now as of probably the most recent data, it's now fallen well below 100,000. In fact, Mm -hmm. it looks like even below 50,000. So uh, so the world's a safer place, it would seem, at least in the context of military uh, deaths. Um, yep. And we're spending less as a total percentage of GDP. Even in the U.S., that's come down to 3% of total GDP, but partly that's a function of the GDP getting so much bigger. It's a denominator thing. So, yeah. But to your point, I think we have to also then 
put that in the context of the of how we pay for it and the total budget because we said we're spending sort of a large percentage of our budget on it and then unfortunately there are parts of our budget that are sort of non-discretionary right our interest payments and sort of mm -hmm. unless you structurally change your obligations for social security medicare these types of things they they will just continue to grow if you look at the 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 u.s budget right military is number one in terms of discretionary spending so it's 50 percent, i think of discretionary spending something to that effect right overall budget it's a number three line item so uh right. and number four uh is debt service payments yep. so just strict interest payments on u.s debt which has climbed by That's about a right. hundred billion in the last couple of years. So it's like from, it's now up somewhere between three and four hundred billion. I can't remember exactly. And that's at an era of historically low interest rates and also a, gr a great economy, frankly, a strong economy. So, you know, the, the big, the big question I have is, okay, so mm -hmm. when interest rates start to rise, when the economy starts to falter, you know, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of rabbit holes we could go down there, but I'd start with the obvious one, which is that not only is it, you know, that that's the biggest line item, it's going to continue to grow as a line item because regardless of the, the level of interest rate, even if it's low, even if it's here or it's even slightly lower, yeah. we're going to continue to budget. The budget deficit until you've closed it each year will just continue to add to the interest payments. So interest payments yeah. will just continue to grow as a percentage of the total over time that's that you can't and if interest rates went up it would just happen faster right so yeah that that that's why i mean when people wonder like why do we care about the deficit that would certainly be one reason why you'd care now because otherwise you're going to start to be and this is this is why i say this there's a lot of rabbit holes you could go down here otherwise you're going to continue to want to spend on all these things guns and butter and and sort of and not make any choices and continue to have service this military but yet the only way to wake that work over time is going to be then to have the Federal Reserve effectively buying that debt. So what you're doing is then sort of just printing money to, to, pay, to pay for this. And that's, that's fine in the short run. In the long run, that can cause problems because we do have you know, the global reserve currency and that could potentially um, undermine that status in the long run if you, if you debase your currency to try to spend on too many yeah things. i always say if the u.s were a private company the board would get arrested but i i think kind of jumping back here you know if we get 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 back to the rome analogy which is cliche but it, it's working here we have a a country again that effectively has an unsustainable hold on power you know our 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 ability to our, our the current state of u.s power is dependent, I think, in large part due, due to our ability to project force. And that funding mechanism is broken. Now, the interesting thing here, though, is from what you're telling me, and correct me if I'm wrong, our spending isn't, I mean, we spend a lot, but it's not really out of line with historical norms, right? So we're, we're spending a little more per capita, or we're spending a little more per capita. Sounds to me like this is not necessarily an issue of us spending too much, but maybe an issue of us not funding it in the right way. Am I totally? Well, there is that, but I, I think we also, I think that's a great segue to my, sort of the last point I was hoping yeah. to make and the one I spent a little time thinking about. Um, yeah. I, you, you said, 
if the government was a corporate entity. And that's interesting because there was a, a memo that I came across online from McKinsey that was noting that the defense department specifically, not the total government, but the defense department is the world's largest corporate enterprise and yet's never been rigorously measured for cost effectiveness in its operations. Right. So the idea that, um, the first step would maybe to just make sure you're spending some of this more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Now, whether we have the, you know, and this is kind of relates back to some of your conversations. I think you have like whether we could ever have the political system that would allow us to most effectively spend this money with a, in a cohesive and strategic fashion. I, I don't know. That's another sort of question, but there's certainly ways that we could try to be more effective in the way we spend the money as a, and that would be a good first step to solving some of that problem. And so I thought an interesting thing was to compare, you know, based off what McKinsey was saying, it was interesting to see, you know, how much could you theoretically spend, um, save like on just to say on military spending, like what could we do, um, you know, to, to try to, uh, find a way to do exactly what we do currently, but just do it more efficiently. Mm-hmm. And so looking at the Defense Department, there have been estimates that the Defense Department should, could or should use recommendations that have been given to them by some outside consultants to save 30 to $50 billion a year. And I was curious how they maybe got to that number. And what I did was to say, look at the total spending on government processes and admin costs. You know, and that's about estimated to be about 25%. Mm-hmm of the total amount we spend for the, on military is actually goes to like administrative costs. Ballpark estimate would say that the average corporation um, spends maybe, you know, 20%, you know, I had to ballpark some of this, but you could say it's maybe 15 to 20% of their total cost um, goes to, uh, you know, administrative, like general overhead administrative costs. Applying that, that would sort of imply that there's sort of maybe five to ten percent of your spending across the military budget of you know close to six hundred and fifty billion that you could cut and just say get the same exact outcome, but just cut your administrative costs. Got it. But I think it's interesting just to see if you really just unleash some you know some six sigma productivity gurus yeah. to run around the end of the U.S. military, uh, they'd probably find a ton of duplicative spending and really inefficient processes that probably could save you a lot of money. And, and we could get generally the same outcome that we're trying to get, but do it at a, at a lower cost. Yeah, that's super interesting. That is really interesting. That's, you know, it's something we touched on in one of the first episodes where, you know, one of the things I mentioned was the fact that we spend a lot of money on projects the military doesn't want. So like the, the M1 Abrams tank is one I cite over and over again, where we have more than we need. The military has said that we don't really need any more, but yet you're never going to get Congress to vote to close a factory in one of the most critical swing states in the nation, Ohio, uh, which is where they're manufactured. And the interesting thing that, that kind of came back at me was, well, the military doesn't get to decide where its money is spent. You know, it is, that is the duty of Congress. And so, you know, the interesting thing I'm hearing here is, you know, we have this room for efficiency on the administrative side. We have this room for efficiency on, let's say the quote unquote hardware side, for lack of a better word. And it's a lot of it is, is about the political will to tackle it. 
I think that's right. And I'm going to speak a little off, but this may be, uh, you know, outdated information, yeah. but I remember like 15 years ago or whatever, I was, I went to a lunch where a former, uh, one of the former joint chiefs, um, was at the lunch and we talked about this and, and he sort of had, had riffed on this idea of like, you know, aside from that, like the, the strategic level of decisions of where spending is there's just, there's fiefdoms within inside the sort of the overall defense department that, you know, between the Navy, the army, the air force, like that there's no coordinated, like a lot of times central purchasing mm-hmm. for, for the, for the basis of cost yep. saving. Uh, hopefully that information is not totally outdated, but, but uh, I thought it was just, you know, you start to think about, yeah, if you, if you, you know, if you just get them all to use the same pens, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> to get them all to use it and, and, and use the, and use the, the size of that purchase to like get, discounts and you know what I mean? Like that you want to actually make sure you're doing as much of that as possible. Yeah. So like all the different branches, army, air force, Navy, Marines, they just all kind of chip in on the same Costco membership and all get the same kind of mayonnaise and buy their toner from the same place. And, you know, all of a sudden we're not, things aren't so dire anymore. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if it would go to all the way to solve the problem, but at least, you know, I mean, a few billion here, a few billion there doesn't yeah, hurt. Yeah, I'd say my favorite phrase is a billion here, a billion there. Eventually it adds up to a lot of money, which I think is uh, is, 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 is probably a good way to, to cap this. You know, one part we had to cut out from the recording, but is worth noting, is that U.S. military alliances cover... 25% of the world's population and about 75% of global economic output. Meaning the U.S. military really has as much of a global economic mission as one of national defense. And you know, I think it's clear to see where we benefit from this arrangement because our economy prospers from the blanket of peace that our military provides globally. Uh, and it's also clear to see where some of the fat can be trimmed. So you know, I think a mix of administrative efficiencies, trimming projects that serve individuals in Congress more than our national defense, and a more active participation of us in terms of physically enlisting, willing to pay via taxes, and just paying attention uh, would allow us to see these benefits well into the future. And it's a topic we're going to have to dig down into later on down the road, but November's over and it's on to another topic. We're going into December and I'm going to ask a question. Will you be saying Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Holidays? Do you even care? Religion plays a bigger role in the culture and politics of America than in any other country in the developed world. And we're going to spend the whole month diving into the subject. You know, I figured we're already talking politics, so why not throw in another third rail on top of it? Anywho, my guest next week is Dave Scott, who's a Christian business owner from North Dakota. And he's going to talk about the intersection of his faith and politics as well. The conversation was full of surprises, and I'm hoping you're going to be able to give it a listen. As always, shout out to Kvelertak, Norwegian Metal's finest, for donating their music, and my producer Jason Putney, who creates that sweet audio spot where the chocolate meets the peanut butter. Until the next, this is Dan Sally, signing off.